Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I'm your co-host Agnes. And I'm Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We are very grateful you could join us today. Today, Margaret and I are talking all about toxic positivity. I was so excited for this episode because this is a topic that you and I are both very passionate about, and it has come up in past conversations that you and I have had privately off camera or off microphone, but we've also alluded to it a little bit in some of our past episodes, so I was really excited to actually have an episode to solely dedicate to this topic. So some of the topics that we're going to talk about Um, because toxic positivity is kind of an umbrella term. We talk about our discomfort with grief, and this is just us as a society, our discomfort around grief and how we really don't know how to support ourselves and other people when we are experiencing negative emotions or emotions that society has decided are quote unquote negative. So emotions like grief and anger, for example. We also talk about uh, spiritual bypassing, what that is and how it has shown up for both of us in our lives. We actually talk a little bit as well about boundaries, the importance of setting boundaries and respecting other people's boundaries. Finally, we talk about how being grateful or positive about the wrong things can actually uphold and maintain systems of oppression that should be held accountable. So very excited for this episode. I hope everyone has something to take away from this. Agnes, do you have anything to add to my little spiel? Yeah, honestly, I learned so much about just how to have better relationships with other people. I think this conversation goes way more in depth about toxic positivity and how to be a better friend, how to be a better family member, a better partner. So hopefully you guys are able to take away just a little bit of knowledge from today's episode. Today, let's talk about toxic positivity. I am so excited to talk about this because I've been, I've had a lot of thoughts around toxic positivity for a long time, and it has been on my bucket list for us to actually have this conversation. So I'm actually really stoked about this. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I feel like this is something that you and I have tiptoed around with our last episodes. We just didn't want to really go into it until we had like a full episode to devote to like the conversation. Yeah. Do you have a definition today? Yeah. So I was doing a little bit of research. Um, I got this definition from uwmedicine.org. It says that toxic positivity involves dismissing negative emotions and responding to distress with a false reassurance rather than empathy. Mm. What do you think of that definition? I think it's true. I think that it's a really... Um, important thing to kind of come back to just, I guess, you know, the toxic positivity that does happen in this article I was reading. It's called What is Toxic Positivity? And the first picture is a t-shirt. This is Positive Vibes. (laughs) And it's so funny. Or like No Bad Days or something like that. So I think it's just like this kind of quote just really kind of sums up like that that's not ha- like we shouldn't really be pushing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hate all of those like cliche sayings, like positive vibes only. Like, 
okay, really? Like, all right, that's just not how life works. Like, you are, there's some serious, like, uh, repression going on or spiritual bypassing going on yeah. when people say that. Yeah. So do you have a definition for toxic positivity, Margaret? Well, I was actually doing a little bit of research um, on social media because Instagram is just full of fantastic information. So I actually found a podcast or no, sorry, not a podcast. There's a therapist on social media, Dr. Megan Johnson. And I'm actually going to reshare this on our Instagram. But there were some slides about toxic positivity. And I really just feel like I want to read them off today because they were really important. So it says, we need to talk about toxic positivity. What is toxic positivity? Our society's obsession with putting a positive spin on everything in a way that dismisses and denies one one's authentic emotional experience, a manifestation of our culture's discomfort with emotions. What does it sound like? Here we go. <laughs> no bad days, good vibes only, at least dot dot dot. Everything happens for a reason. And just think positive thoughts. Why do we do this? We are uncomfortable or poorly equipped to feel and process our emotions. So we try to prevent them in others. We have bought into the false narrative that emotions make us weak. Why does this suck? It prevents us from offering support. It can result in people staying in abusive or traumatic situations. And I have shit to say about that. <laughs> it keeps us from moving through the natural trajectory or normal emotions. It perpetrates stigma and shame around normal human emotions. It causes people to feel isolated. And it results in avoiding feelings, which can often create even more problems than feeling the feeling. So what do you think of the term everything happens for a reason? Because you just said that and I was reading that in one of these articles. And I mean, I say that shit all the time. Like everything happens for a reason. Like I just truly trust in like the process of everything. So like what do you think of that term? I. Because I do say that term too. I think it's completely contextual and I think it really comes down to the unique situation and the timing of it is really crucial because for me, let's say for an example, if I am really feeling my feelings, if I am feeling the emotions that our society has deemed negative, so anger, I'm grieving something, um, I'm feeling I'm having an anxiety attack, a panic attack. I'm really in the depths of some spell of, of depression. If somebody says to me, everything happens for a reason. I mean, has that ever made someone feel better in the history of ever when you're like in your emotions and someone goes, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. Shut the fuck up. I'm pissed. Like, leave me alone. Let me just feel my feelings. So I think that there's an appropriate time to say everything happens for a reason. And then there's a time where it's extremely inappropriate and extremely harmful uh, very disingenuous and dismiss and dismissive of what someone is feeling. 
Yeah. I find that the term everything happens for a reason is only appropriate to say to myself or to say to someone else after the emotions have been processed and our nervous system is regulated again and we have had time to process and reflect what happened and start to see um, the, the lesson in the bigger picture. Only then do I think it's appropriate. So I really think that timing is very, very critical. And when we can say something like that to ourselves or others. Yeah, I was honestly thinking the same thing. Like, it's very easy to say that because in a sense, it is true. Everything, at least in a spiritual way, like everything does happen for a reason. Um, Whether you believe in like, what's the word, like predestiny or, or destiny, like, you know, a certain order of events is supposed to happen to you. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that like that term is very like true, but yeah, like you said, it's, it can be extremely harmful to say to someone in like a moment of grieving, especially someone who, you know, is being abused. So a woman or a man that's being abused by their partner and, they're just like in a ruin and they're going through like a separation or a divorce or whatever. And someone's just sitting there and they're like, everything happens for a reason. But it's like, so what you're saying is that me being abused or beat or gaslighted or completely used by someone was meant to happen to me. That sounds like, kind of like like, victim shaming yeah it is like victim victim shaming like you asked for it yeah yeah so i i think it's like a very very sensitive thing that should be used like that saying should be used very cautiously and the person that's saying it should be very in tune with their relationship to the term and also very in tune or trying to be very in tune and empathetic to what this person's going through are they ready to hear that or not is this statement going to help this person or is it going to make them feel worse because honestly like when we're in our feelings and we're feeling angry or we're feeling grief like I know this for myself like I just need someone to sit there with me and be like yeah dude like that fucking sucks that Mm -hmm. fucking sucks dude like I get it yeah because like that's when we feel like okay this person like really cares about me this person is sitting with me in my grief sitting with me in my anger they understand like they might not have gone through the exact same situation I'm going through but they know this emotion and they know what this emotion feels like and it sucks like let's not sugarcoat it yeah um but I do have to ask miss almost social worker (laughs) do you think Mm -hmm. that there is a point where someone I hate to say this, but someone who just really needs to like strap on their belt and just like get on with it, like emotionally, because I know for myself, like I've been around people that just dwell and dwell on like these things that I see minor and it can be very frustrating. I mean, I, everyone does it to a point. But, you know, that one friend or one person that's just constantly complaining about the same thing over and over and over again. And it's just like, come on, girl. Like, do What do you have to say about that? Do you think that there's um, do you think that they just need to write it out and that's like their journey and those emotions are like completely valid and 
um, we should just hold space for them? Or do you think that there's a way for us to kind of get around on trying to like get them to, um, I don't want to say get over it because you don't want to say that, but like move past it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's an important question. So I want to I want to answer this in two different ways. So the first way I want to answer is just from my own personal experience. So there was a key thing that you said was when a person is complaining about the same thing over and over and over. Um, for me, I feel like that's an indication that we're not actually moving through the emotion. Like it's almost like... Um, when someone starts to feel something uncomfortable and instead of pushing through it, like moving through the anger, moving through the pain and grief, and often that's something that a person will want to actually have a trained mental health professional to do that with. But um, when they start to feel the negative emotions, they don't want to go further. And so they stay stuck in the same place. And then you are constantly dealing with the same issue over and over and over because you're not actually working on that issue. And if you're not working on that issue, it's not going to go away by itself. It's going to continue to show up in your life over and over again. I've had this happen to me um, when I am in a situation like if I'm having some kind of an encounter with another person and there's dynamics playing out with that person that are familiar to me. And I realize that this is like the third or fourth time that I've had a person in my life where this dynamic is playing and I can I can tell this dynamic is not healthy. That sends a signal to my brain that, oh, hold on, hold on. There's something within me that I, there's some lesson I'm supposed to be learning here and I haven't learned it. And the universe has put, keeps putting people in my life that are helping, like helping me to learn this lesson. And it's really uncomfortable. Um, and I obviously have not learned it in the past. So this keeps coming up for me. So that's where I'll catch myself when I see myself in the same situation or dealing with the same problem, like three or four times in a row. I'm like, oh, this is something that I'm supposed to approach from a different angle. I'm supposed to move through this. And there's some lesson on the other side. So that's what I feel is when people are dealing with the same things all the time, that could be an indication that we're not actually doing our work. We're not moving through the problem. And I think that it's a sign of health to like mental health and spiritual health when we are dealing with issues, but maybe they're different issues or we have a problem that comes up. I, this happens to me all the time. I call it like the spiral of, of the journey, the spiral of the journey. I will deal with an issue in my life and I will reach some kind of resolve. And then that issue will pop up again, like a year or two or even three years later in my life but on like a deeper level. So like in a totally deeper way, like, oh, like the same issues coming up, but kind of in a different way. And like, it's almost like um, if you imagine there's a problem and there's like four chat, there's like four steps to solve that problem. So yeah, a year ago you solved step number one. Now we're going to, now you've graduated to solve step number two. <laughs> so some problems are just really deep like that. And you, they circle back around in your life. But I think it's a sign of health when we are experiencing new issues in life and we're, we're working through that, or we have new emotions coming up and we're working through that. Um, or we're coming back to the same problem, but in a deeper way. And we can see that we have been on a journey and that we've made progress in that department so I don't know if that answers your question but 
that's what I feel. And then the other thing you asked or mentioned was about, you know, at, is there a point where we have to tell someone to kind of like suck it up? Or <laughs> I think you probably you probably said it in a in a better way than I than I just did. Yeah. But this is something that I've learned in social work school. Um, when therapists work with their clients, you have to meet the client where they're at. You can't uh, hear where a client is right now and then try to help them out, um, try to help them out in a way that they're not ready to be helped yet. You know, you have to literally, you have to meet them where they're at and then help them create steps forward in a way that's manageable to them. So it's like, I can't go to my eight-year-old son who is learning how to divide numbers and try to teach him how to do algebra. Like that shit's not going to work. Like I have to meet him where he's at and help him with learning how to do division first. And once he's mastered division and I don't, I, I suck at math. So I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever other things come next between division and algebra, like I have to meet him there. We have to meet him there and help him progress from there. We can't just teach him how to do algebra right now. So it's like the same thing with people's emotions and where they're at in their journey with their mental health and their spirituality. I feel like we have to meet them where they're at. And that kind of goes back to the whole, not everyone is ready to hear everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we have to sit there and be like, yeah, dude, like that fucking sucks. And honestly, I don't know about your experience, but I feel like I have experienced this more in my life when I have a friend that's going through a shitty situation and I just sit there and listen and hold space. And I'm like, dude, Me. that fucking sucks. <laughs> All of Every us, day, Agnes. I'm like calling All up Margaret, like in tears. Oh my God, my life sucks. <laughs> happens for all of us but okay I will tell you where I do fail at this but when I do succeed and I just breathe and I just hold space for that person I'm like yeah that really sucks for some reason it's I don't know how or why I don't know the psychology of it other than just empathy heals I swear to god but that person it's almost like that person is like yeah it does suck and you know what? It's okay. Like it sucks. And then we actually like that is the ground that we start to rebuild on. Yeah. Where I fail and I do this with you and all of my siblings. It's like, I don't know if it's because I'm the oldest sibling, but where <laughs> I fail is I'm like, yeah, that sucks. All right. We're going to make a game plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you need to do. And then I start telling you all how to live your lives. And then I'm like, oh my God, I need to sit down and shut the fuck up. And this is in real time, you guys. Like, <laughs> she just did this this week. Oh, I probably did. I yeah. probably did. And, just, and then, yeah. And then I just afterwards, I'm like, dude, I need to shut the fuck up. Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like what I'm hearing from you is that um, like when you go to somebody and you really genuinely say like, yeah, this sucks and you grieve with them, then like, I think the fear of people doing that is that they don't want to make the person feel worse because nobody wants to mm. like go to someone in a fragile place, like someone's going through something very deep and traumatic no one wants to upset them further. So people think that if you go to someone and you're like, yeah, like, and cry with them and be sad for them or with them, then that's somehow going to make them even more like upset. But in reality, like there's nothing more comforting when you're in that fragile state, when someone comes to you 
and they understand you or they try to understand you and they don't just sit there and immediately try to come up with these solutions or these affirmations. That's not the immediate response because in that moment, it's like, I'm not trying to feel better right now. I'm trying to just feel what I feel. Mm. Ooh, I love that. I'm just trying to feel what I feel. Ooh. Yeah, because we have to feel what we're feeling before we can get to joy. Mm-hmm. And part of what gives us space to feel what we feel is to have another human connect with us and hold space with us and empathize yeah. with what we're going through. Like that heals. Like there like uh, something I've learned too even with therapy is like you can't intellectualize your way to joy. You can't like intellectualize your way um, to bypass your feelings. Like there's you know, like there's CBT. Is that what it is? C- uh, CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, and there's like some people really love it. Uh, I've actually never had CBT therapy before. Sorry, what is CBT I- I've also- therapy? So CBT, I am not a professional in this. It's like cognitive behavioral therapy. My understanding, this might be, I might be totally off base, but my understanding of it is it's a type of therapy where you work on catching the thoughts in your head and recognizing they're not true. And like, we all kind of do this. Like, I think that, that it's healthy to a certain, I think it's healthy to a degree, like recognizing the thought patterns that you have and how they might not be healthy and then restructuring them. Okay. So that is ben- that is beneficial. That is a good thing. But I don't think it's going all the way mm-hmm. for me personally because I feel like I cannot intellectual I cannot always intellectualize my way through my feelings. So I might be able to catch a thought pattern in my head and recognize that it's not a healthy thought pattern and try to restructure it, but that is not gonna necessarily change the emotions that are in my body. There There is a connection, but if I'm feeling really shitty today and I'm sitting here going, positive vibes only, positive (laughs) vibes only, I only feel joy today, I only feel positive vibes, I'm sorry. I'm still fucking grieving. I'm just lying to myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because our cousin Jessica actually talks about that all the time so she calls it mental correction so every time that she feels or says something negative about like let's say her body like you know she's looking in the mirror and she's like you look fat instead of submitting to that truth that or that that thought that that your mind thinks is truth she will then correct it with no you're beautiful so I think that in that way, that can work. But I know for myself, it's easier to do like mental correction. So when you think something, you can just correct it because a lot of the time like thoughts are habitual. So in that way, I think that like mental correction is good. But when you're feeling something, there really is no way to get around feeling it. And like until you feel it, you know, like you have to ride that wave. So I think like we just need to find like the difference between mental correction and feeling correction or correcting that the way that you feel, because there's no way to correct the way that you feel, but there's a way to correct the way that you think. 
So I think that's actually like a really interesting point about mental correction. Um, because as I said, I think that CBT, like there's value in that. There is value in recognizing how our thought patterns are unhealthy and catching those and trying to reprogram them. Um, but I think too, like you said, like that's not necessarily a correction to how we feel because I'm not sure there's really like a hack with feelings. Like, I don't think there's some kind of like a hack where you can just bypass going through grief or going through anger. Like you have to go through that. Um, actually, you know what? Did you read the book when you were a kid? Um, we're going on a bear hunt. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> I was thinking of this book recently. It's like, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. It's a beautiful day. We're not scared. And then you're like, oh, no, a forest, a big, dark forest. We can't go over it. We can't go under can't it. Go under it. Oh, no, we have to go through it. I was thinking about that book recently. I was like, holy shit. That book is literally like a metaphor for dealing with hard emotions. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, but once they, <sighs> but once they get to the bear, once they find the bear, then they all scream and run. And then they run through <laughs> the water and through the woods and whatever all the way back home. I know. Okay. But I, I haven't figured out that part yet. I'm just saying. But the journey itself is like a metaphor for our feelings. Like, oh no, there is anger. I can't go over it. I can't go under it. Oh no, I got to go through it. <laughs> and then like, you know, obviously we have to have tools to go through anger appropriately so we don't harm ourselves or others. So it's, you know, having the support around you and a trained mental health professional on the journey with you to help you find those tools to cope with the anger. Like you're not just going to like walk into fucking anger with no tools. Like you're not just going to walk into the forest and your flip flops and shorts and not have anything like, you know, what if you do find a bear? Like, do you have bear spray? Do you have protection? You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're not just going to walk in there unequipped, but you are going to gather tools to help you move through that anger or through that grief. Yeah. So, but I just don't, I don't think, and not that I have heard, I'm sure everyone is trying to find a way to bypass uncomfortable feelings. We don't like feeling them, but I don't think that there's actually a way to go around it. Like you got to go through it. So I have another question for you. I feel like this is just a Q&A episode. <laughs> okay. So when you have like a friend or someone that you're close with and they're aggressively grieving over something and they are just they're angry and they're passionate and they're just really going through it and you're with them and obviously you don't want to be like everything happens for a reason or any toxic positivity bs mm -hmm. how do you like comfort them and be there for them in a in like an understanding way without going down to like their level not that their level is anything bad, but without like exhausting your energy. Hmm. I mean, this is, I almost want to ask you like what works for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because like, I think there's, this is, this is my answer, but I, I'm curious to hear your answer to, to this. Okay. Um, so when I have someone, when I have a friend or a family member that's going through something, 
um, and they're really grieving and they're really angry. And actually, you know what? This happens in our family. This happens in our family a lot. A sibling will call me up and they're pissed off at another sibling for some shit that happened. And they're just (laughs) pissed off. I try to not be like, yeah, she's full of shit. You're right. Like, wow, what an idiot. You know, I try to not do that. I try to just be like, yeah, that really sucks. Like, oh, that's shitty that that happened. You know, I try. I try. I'm not always successful, but I try to like empathize with the feeling that they're going through. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I now have to go into full on being dysregulated and feeling that feeling, too. Mm-hmm. So I can instead, I try to envisualize breathing and like creating, like actually creating a space to hold this emotion. So I am not going to embody and become the emotion, anger or sadness. I am going to understand what that emotion is. I know what that feels like from my own experience. And I'm going to breathe and I'm going to envision that I'm holding like a bowl. And holding the space to hold the emotion. It's not in my body, but I'm creating a space to hold the emotion for that other person, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's not, I try to not like get dysregulated too and get angry too. Like if the other person's angry, I try to not like get angry and all dysregulated because honestly, what are we going to achieve if both of us are now dysregulated? And both of us are like going through the emotions. Like I try to at least envision being a person that's holding a a space for that other person to be in that space and feel what they're feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Now, what about for you? Like what have you found works or doesn't work when you're in that situation, whether you're the one that's feeling the feelings or you're in the presence of someone who's feeling the feelings? I feel like if anything, I just really had to like seek your advice with what you just said, because I genuinely like wanted like I want to know that because I feel like reflecting back on my past, especially with like family members, I get aggressive with them. I get angry (laughs) with them. So for an example, um, one of my family members was going through a divorce he I would get on the phone with my with my family member and he was just talking shit like mad shit and I'm like yeah like I'm so angry with you like fuck that other person (laughs) and then the next day maybe I'm just bipolar (laughs) I don't know so then the next day I'd be talking to the other party And she would be like, I was, by the way, I was stuck in a really weird position. I'm not going to go into it, but I was talking to her and she was like, fuck him. He is this and that and da da da. And I, and I would get on her level. I'd be like, yeah, fuck him. Fuck everything he told me yesterday. (laughs) And I went back and forth for about a month until I had finally decided like I this is mentally exhausting like I can't even form an opinion about anybody or any situation because I'm just allowing myself to like become contaminated with that other person's anger and you know at that point I was able to kind of reject that from my life I really distanced myself from the situation and from there I was able to 
um, resolve that, but it's still like a real thing that I think like I still struggle with is I just get angry with people. Mm. You know, cause when you said that you would, you would listen to one party and they would be really angry and you'd get angry with them. And then you would listen to the other party and they would get really angry and you would get angry with them. And after a week, you just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't hold space for other people and help other people if we can't even take care of ourselves in the process. So if you are riding that emotional roller coaster with the person, how are you going to be able to actually be there for them mm-hmm. in a in a healthy way? If you are yeah. just exhausting your nervous system and exhausting your body and your emotions. Well, I think that was like the hard part for me is I didn't know how to help anybody. Mm-hmm. And even at that point in my life, I was, you know, I was going through a lot and I was helping. I, I was exhausted when it came down to like helping other people. I had been used and used and used and I had nothing more to give. Mm-hmm. And when it came down to like these people around me were so desperate for my comfort or whatever, like I just couldn't like give it to them. So like I would resort to doing things like getting angry with them because that was like my last resort for comforting them. When in reality, I I really had no place to comfort them. And I think that might be like another thing too. I think we need to normalize when it comes to friendships and family. Obviously, we don't want to abandon anybody. We don't want to leave people in the dark when they're going through some really intense things. But I think we need to, you know, as someone that's hurt we need to become okay with the other friend or the part or, you know, the other party distancing themselves in order to protect themselves. Yeah. And I think that's like, you're, you're touching right there on boundaries. Like why boundaries are so important, why we have to cultivate the self-awareness of how much energy we have to give. And then the ways that we replenish our energy And then we have to create space for that to replenish the energy. Then we have to also, once we've identified our boundary, we have to effectively communicate it to the people around us. And then the people around us have to respect those boundaries. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you described right there. Because I also just want to name how unfair that was for you. Because you were like just barely an adult how unfair that was for you to be in a situation where grown-ass adults dealing with problems that you had no experience with were confiding in you, making you the person that they were going to for comfort. How, like, that's not fair to put that on a just barely graduated from childhood (laughs) person, person's shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not fair. So that's why... I just, again, I'm a social work student, so I am like the biggest advocate for get yourself a therapist. (laughs) There is no shame. Get yourself a therapist. If you feel like you have, um, and I'm saying this because I've, I've been in the same situation, Agnes, if, if you feel like, um, if you feel like you have family members where you call that family member up and you're like, this family member better answer the phone because I'm fucking losing my shit and they're the only person I can talk to. If that's happening to you, that's a sign that you probably need to get yourself a therapist. You need to get yourself some more people in your life because it can't all fall on one person's shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. That is the power of community. That's why we need to have community. That's why we need to have strong and healthy friendships with family and friends. We need to have a uh, mental health professional on the journey with us because all of that together combined will help us. We can't do it alone. Like, fuck it, rugged individualism. We can't do it alone. And it also cannot all fall on one or two people in our closest circle that don't have the tools to help us. I think mm-hmm. it needs to, we need to have a strong support system and then a mental health professional as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's many, many things. Yeah. I love how just like, to- how toxic positivity <laughs> like totally morphed into talking about like grief and anger and then talking about boundaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not planned at all. <laughs> well, are any of our episodes planned? Well, we try, we try. And then it just we ends up. We try. We try. But you know what? Conversations are totally organic. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Agnes, do you have any other things you wanted to talk about when it comes to toxic positivity that we haven't already touched on today? Like... I feel like I've done a lot of talking, so <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably go into spiritual bypassing, which yeah. is another sort of subtopic or category of toxic positivity. So, spiritual bypassing is basically when you use your spirituality as a distraction for the real, like the real mental things that are going on in your life. So a little example of spiritual bypassing. I was going through my spiritual awakening about a year ago from now. And I was just learning all these new things about the way that just new beliefs for myself about like how the universe worked and who God was and who I was and what souls are. Like I was just really learning about all of this But while I was going through this, it was also bringing up a lot of like trauma and a lot of just real life things that I was dealing with. So I remember kind of coming to like this conclusion where I was like, well, in reality, I'm, you know, I'm just going to die and none of this exists. Like my problems don't exist. And as long as I keep doing my meditations and I keep I continue a spirit, a good, healthy, spiritual life, then these problems will just go away. And I kind of thought this for a few days and for the record, it didn't make me feel any better. It just kind of made me more confused. So I remember being on the phone with you, Margaret, and I brought this up and you were like, no, 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 that's virtual bypassing. (laughs) You still have to, in a healthy way, deal with the real life things that are happening to you now and you know go through emotions and heal your traumas and go to therapy and do all of that while keeping like a spiritual lifestyle you just have to find a way to like balance the two because you can't cover anything up with anything yeah so and I'm I'm curious I kind of want to hear what happened after that I remember us having the conversation about spiritual bypassing how did you end up moving through that phase? Because I actually think that my theory is that spiritual bypassing is kind of like a phase a lot of people go through after a spiritual awakening because I kind of went through that where I was just sort of trying to trying to be positive all the time and reframe my thoughts to the point that I was almost not even 
based in reality, if that makes sense. I was kind of lying mm-hmm. to myself. So how did you end up moving through that phase? Um, was there anything that helped you with that kind of get more grounded? Um, I mean, I think if anything, it just helps me kind of take more. At that time, I was going to therapy. So it, it was I was kind of able to identify or acknowledge that I did have real problems and I did have, you know, these, this horrible anxiety that I was going through. And this was right before I had moved to California. And like I've mentioned in a few of these episodes, when I move, I'm stressed out, girl. Like (laughs) I take everything, even like I'm moving this week and I literally just like I shut down when I'm moving. I'm so incredibly stressed because, you know, like anxiety is, it's worrying about the future and the future is like so unknown when you're moving. Mm -hmm. So my anxiety and my stress levels are just through the roof. So I think like if anything, it didn't solve any problems as of like my anxiety or my stress when it came to moving to California, but it was helping me like acknowledge that that was the way that I was feeling and it was okay to feel those ways. And I was just going to have to like work through them because when I was quote unquote spiritually bypassing for the, you know, the few days that I was having this kind of state of mind that like nothing was really real. And I just felt like a ghost. Like I didn't feel human. I felt so, and let's talk about that for a second, like feeling human, because when you're spiritual spiritually bypassing like you almost like turn you turn off all of these like human senses and all these like parts of being human because like you think oh well I'm just a soul I'm just this spiritual being and this whole human experience is just a hoax you're turning off like this gift that was given to you like being a human is a gift and it, it doesn't really like feel good. It feels kind of wrong when you're when you turn that off. Like suddenly this whole human experience isn't real and I'm just this soul floating through this place called Earth. Like that's confusing. Mm-hmm. My body doesn't know how to respond to that. And I think we just need to kind of, you know, a little bit of what you had told me at, you know, during that conversation a year ago. It was like, don't be ashamed to be human. Stop being ashamed of feeling human emotions because, you know, I know we're going back to this, like everything happens for a reason, but you were meant to be human for a reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the things that you're working through, they are purely lessons. I, I learned this in my religion class a year ago, you know, it was, I was learning about like Asian culture and religions and Buddhism and Hinduism where, you know, your religions that believe in reincarnation, which are a lot of them, but every lifetime that you live is like a different like lesson, right? Like they're little like check marks, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you don't check off that mark in the, in, you know, this lifetime, then you're going to have to check it off in the next lifetime. And it's just kind of like this, it's believed that like this is kind of the process of it. And, you know, there's bigger check marks and there's smaller check marks. And it's like, I, I think back to like the original question that you had asked me, like, how did this change my thinking? 
I think that like I was able to acknowledge that the issues that I was going through, the trauma that I was experiencing, I kind of saw them as, okay, like I meant to deal with this. I'm meant to heal from this and I want to heal from this because girl, I don't want to give this to myself in my next life. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take care of this shit now, you know, sooner rather than later. So it was, I was able to like, just kind of check in to like, you know, really how I'm feeling and kind of becoming devoted to healing myself. I think it's like integration too, because we can't spiritually bypass. It's not healthy to spiritually bypass and just be like, well, none of this shit's real. And there's this body, but just whatever, fuck my body. You know, we have to integrate the two. Um, I know for myself, like I've had to kind of get grounded. Like, I think I went through a phase where I was so like out of my body and I struggle like just, um, from a mental health perspective, I struggle as is with being in my body. Just disassociation, I think was my preferred method of dealing with trauma when I was a child. So I can just disassociate from my body. Um, and I've really in the last couple of years tried to make a conscious effort to get back in my body, but I think that spiritual bypassing kind of exasperated, exacerbated that problem of disassociation. Like it gave me an excuse to continue disassociating and not working on staying in my body. So for me, I know when it came to, um, really feeling my feelings and being in my body, it, it kind of involved um, like getting outside, getting grounded, like bare feet in the dirt, being out in nature, uh, meditation, like really feeling my body, feeling my breath. Like those things I know helped me. Um, were there any little tools like that that helped you as well with getting more back into your body and not just discounting the human experience? Yeah, I think meditation has really been extremely helpful for me ever since I began meditating back when I began my spiritual journey. It has been like such a experience for me to just kind of like sit with myself and like feel myself breathe. And, and you know, another thing I want to talk about meditation is let yourself think. I When I first started meditating, I used to think, no, 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 I can't think about anything. Like, stay focused. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like impossible. Like, Mentally impossible yeah, to think about anything. <laughs> so impossible to, you know, and there's like Buddhist monasteries and stuff where some of these monks like literally can know how to like turn off their thinking. But I'm not like that. And I shouldn't have to hold myself to that expectation to be like that. Another thing too, stop having expectations for yourself spiritually. Put that in exclamation points and in bold. (laughs) But yeah, it's with meditating. It's like I I just kind of learned to let myself like think and just be human, you know? Yeah. And be present too. Do you, yeah. do, you ever, do you ever have the witness experience? Like when you're meditating, you're like witnessing your thoughts instead of like identifying with your thoughts and like being your thoughts. You actually are like, oh, look at that thought go through. Like, look at like just like a cloud passing in the sky. Look at that thought. Yeah. Oh, there's another thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's so much easier to just kind of like envision your thoughts or kind of like see. It's like wiping like the slate clear and just like being able to identify like how you're feeling when you're feeling it how like 
why do you feel this way? That's what meditation has like helped me with. Um, but I'm also not the best at meditating. I also want to say that I don't meditate every single day. Like I'm not religious about it, but food yeah. for thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had one more thing that I kind of wanted to touch on just briefly before we go into our gratitude prompt. Um, and I was thinking about this because this was something that I experienced as well in my life was I thought that I could, um, I could change my thoughts and try to be positive about negative situations when really those negative situations I should not have even been in or I should or or those negative situations were wrong. So like as an example, I actually want to bring up feminism for a moment. Um, Another phrase that really kind of gets under my nerves a little bit, and this is maybe controversial for us because we have our gratitude prompt and I love our gratitude prompt. I think it's so healthy. But I also just my skin crawls a little bit when people are like, be grateful, just be grateful for what you have. Because Mm -hmm. if I just shut up and was grateful for what I have, the injustices in the world would continue to exist without being held accountable. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about for a second feminism. If all the women in the world just decided to just go, you know what? I should just be grateful. I should just be happy that I'm barefoot pregnant in my kitchen at home, dependent on my husband. I should just, you know what? Life could be worse. I should just be fucking grateful. (laughs) Really, if we did that, patriarchy would continue to just exist and not be held accountable. White supremacy. White supremacy. If all of the people of color were like, you know what? Um, At least we're not uh, in chattel slavery anymore, so we should just be grateful White supremacy and systemic racism would continue to have power and not be held accountable. So I think that it is really important to name that and say it is important to be grateful for things in our life, but don't let that be an excuse to let systems of oppression continue to exist and not be held accountable do not allow yourself to continue being in an abusive relationship being in an abusive job do not be grateful for a job or a relationship that is abusing you and you're like well it could be worse well but I need the money well but you know I whatever x y and z excuses we give for ourselves no you don't have to be grateful for this shit (laughs) so I think it's important to name that when it's important when we can be grateful for something and then when we have to go no i deserve better Mm -hmm. than this yeah amen sister amen (laughs) (laughs) all right so anyway now we got that out of the way let's go into our gratitude prompt what are you grateful for margaret (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness let's see Today I am actually today I am grateful because in about a couple of hours or so I'm going to be logging on to an anti-racist convention. Speaking of white supremacy, um, so I'm actually part of a group called Check Your Privilege. It's like an anti-racist group that is for white women, and I've been part of this group for a couple of years now. And we're having a virtual Check Your Privilege conference over the next three days 
Um, of course, I still have like teaching and all of my all of my responsibilities and things that I do in my daily daily life. So I'm not going to be able to attend all of the conference, but I'm pretty sure they're having like some playbacks. So I'll be I'll still be able to like log on to my account and like watch the reruns. But I'm excited um, to be able to be a part of the conference and to be really learning and growing in that department. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity today. That's exciting. Yeah. So Agnes, how about you? What are you grateful for today? Well, yesterday was the last day of my job, which was a little bit bittersweet. I mean, obviously a job is a job. Who wants to go to work? But (laughs) (laughs) overall, it was, I really enjoyed like my coworkers and it really, yeah, I know we were just talking about that. It really wasn't that bad. Like, (laughs) um, but yesterday was my last day. So today is my last day here in California, like full day. And I'm just really grateful that I was able to kind of like live here in California. In fact, I don't want to drag this on, but me moving to California, I really thought that like this was it for me. This was my dream come true. And after living here for a while, I kind of was able to take a step back and really think about what I, you know, was this something that I wanted or was this something that I wanted to prove to myself or almost like brag about? Not that I'm like a braggy person, but you know, like I think it was just this whole idea of like being in this place and having all of these things. And I was really able to kind of take a step back and realize there are better things out there for me. There are healthier options for me out there. And it was really scary making the decision to move. I'm moving to Arizona. It was really scary because I felt like I was giving up on this like dream that I had and all the hard work that my husband and I put into like living here. But after making like many pros and cons lists and like really truly like thinking about like what do I want I had come down to the decision that I'd rather like live in a place where I'm able to genuinely like take care of my mental health than to just be somewhere that's trendy or a location on my Instagram post or you know something that I had quote-unquote proved to myself so I'm grateful for that and then tonight's ladies nights for me and my old old co-workers so hopefully (laughs) That is fun. That's a long ass gratitude prompt, but I'm just really grateful. (laughs) Well, what I hear you also saying in all of that is that you're just grateful for the experiences that you've had. And sometimes that's what we have to do is be grateful for an experience we had. And it's okay. Like not all experiences are meant to last forever. Mm -hmm. Not all jobs are supposed to last forever. Not all homes are supposed to last forever. Like when I say home, I mean like a a geographical place. Not Mm -hmm. all homes are supposed to last forever not all relationships are supposed to last forever like not everything is supposed to last forever and we can just hold space and gratitude for those things for what they were so yes exactly yep yay we believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things wherever you are if you are able Close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, 
and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.